Kevin and Micah, who's four years old. Yeah, so we just want to share a little bit real quickly um, before Ben brings some encouragement from the Word, just about how the Lord called us and maybe why He's calling us. Um, I guess about a little over a year ago, I remember looking at Ben and saying, do you realize we wouldn't do anything different if we won the lottery? And it wasn't because we were rich by any means. We were just kind of at a sweet spot in life where things seemed pretty good. Like everything was really good, actually. I don't know if you guys have got the chance to be there before, but man, things were just cooking really well. We were homeschooling the kids and all of our family lived close by. And Ben was the worship leader at Rapid City First Assembly. And so we were just loving life. Things were good. But then we started feeling what we look back on now and we call it this holy discontent where we were both just feeling like, man, is this what we're supposed to be doing? Is this everything the Lord has for us? Or why do we feel like maybe there's something different we should be doing right now? I don't know if you've also ever felt that before, but uh, we were kind of feeling like, I wonder if the Lord's going to do something or move things around in our lives. And um, about the same time, uh, the Lord was talking to me about the Great Commission. I know it's in Matthew. Last night someone was saying, it's in Matthew. It's also in Mark. I kept opening my Bible to Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And I just kept opening to that. And those words were, the action words were weighing heavy on my heart. Go and preach and tell and proclaim the gospel. And I was thinking, man, that really requires some action on our part. That's something we have to do. And so... Um, yeah, I was like, okay, Lord, I, I get it. What do you want us to do? We, we got to preach the gospel. We got to share Jesus with people. You know, things are getting crazy. I don't know if anyone else has noticed, but Jesus, uh, we want him to come back soon. And we, a lot of us are really thinking Jesus is coming back soon. And man, there's people who've never heard the name of Jesus and we're not okay with that. And so we were saying, okay, Lord, yes, we will share the gospel. We will do the great commission wherever you want us to. And I opened my Bible again one day to that. And this, I just said, yes, make your mark. And I realized, man, you know, there's something in that. People want to make their mark in this world. They want to leave a legacy, and they want people to know their name, you know. But we as believers, I feel, are called to something so much higher than that. We're called to make our mark and leave a name for Jesus and share the Great Commission. And so really, I just said, yes, let's do this. Let's make our mark 1615. Let's make a difference in the world. I felt like the Lord was telling us, I want you to make your mark in this world, but do it by living out the Great Commission. And so we really landed on that, and we started praying, God, we're missionaries right here in Rapid City. You know, we're in Rapid City at the time. We said, we're our missionaries right here. Um, but we still felt that, like, maybe we're not quite getting it still. So we sat down one night. I sat down and I said, I'm going to pray about this. What a great idea, right? So I was like, okay, God, I want to ask you where we're supposed to be missionaries. And you say, Rapid City. And you know, keep up the good work, and then we'll just move on with our lives. But I'll warn you, if you ask God where he wants you to be a missionary, he will probably tell you, and it might not be what you're currently doing. <laughs> so yeah, I was just praying one night, and the Lord very clearly spoke to my heart about Tahiti. You know, <clears throat> when uh, Carly came to me and said, you know, I feel like the Lord told me that we we're supposed to go to Tahiti, you may look, you may think, you may not say this because you're smarter, you know, you're smart. <laughs> But you may think, man, what did you have to eat last night, right? Like, what is what is that about Tahiti, you know? And uh, I kind of just thought, maybe, I don't know about that. And I just kind of put it on the back shelf and, and but prayed about it. And, and then the Lord just began to show us little confirmation after confirmation that he was calling us to this area of the world, the French Polynesia. And uh, as you know... Um, the Molins were here, and, and so we're, we're kind of feeling bad. You know, my wife was feeling bad for them because they, they, they had a heart for missions, and then the Lord calls us, and we're like, man, when is the Lord going to call the Molins, you know? And then we get to our staff planning retreat. We're getting ready to tell our staff that we're 
going to be moving on to the mission field, and our pastor says, before the lopers share, I want the Mullins to share, and I'm like, what is this about? And they begin to share almost word for word what we were about to share, that they'd been called the same area of the world we felt called to, talking to the same area director we'd been having Zoom calls with, and it was just like, the look on our faces was probably like, what are you talking about? And so when we realized that, we were just like excited. It was another confirmation that the Lord was calling us and our friends at the same time. We went down to Springfield, Missouri, where we had our, our interviews with the World Missions Board. And they said, it seems right to us and the Holy Spirit to send you as a team. So we're going as a team with our friends, the Mullins, that we've worked on staff with for five years, as, as well as a family, the Suttons, who've uh, been senior pastors at their church for the last nine years. And the Lord has raised up a team for, for this time, and it's incredible to see. Yeah, and it's exciting to find out the Lord has a plan. Who knew he's got things cooking in that part of the world? It's so exciting. So French Polynesia is a country. Um, it's run by France, technically, but it is its own uh, country. It's made up of 118 islands, and Tahiti is one of the biggest islands. So that's why you hear a lot about Tahiti when you um, hear about French Polynesia. And roughly, <laughs> that star is huge, and it's tiny. But that's about where it's at. It's 3,000 miles south of Hawaii. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting there. I'm sure the Mullins shared some statistics with you. 40% of the population is under the age of 25. So it's a unique situation there. It's like a giant youth group. And actually, the president of French Polynesia has asked the Assemblies of God, what can the Assemblies of God do for our youth? We just have epidemic levels of suicide and hopelessness and just a lot of problems that come with a bunch of people who've never heard the gospel and are hurting and just need the love of Jesus in their lives. So we're excited to be your missionaries to French Polynesia. We're excited for what God is doing. He has not forgotten any of these islands. He's, he knows every person on every island. There's about 67 inhabited islands. So we're excited to see what the Lord is doing. Yeah, it's just, uh, I believe that you know, in a country that hasn't had any AG missionaries for the last 20 years, I mean, almost 20 years, it's just remarkable to see what the Lord would do in this year, this past, you know, year and a half year, where the Lord has chosen to raise up a team, and obviously He's doing something. And so we're here uh, to talk to you about French Polynesia so that you can put that on your prayer list. You know, this country that you maybe never even heard of, uh, God wants to reach with the gospel. And we're here to also en encourage you to partner with us in prayer and finances if you feel led. Our, one of our biggest hurdles to getting to the field right now is our monthly support, which is uh, a critical way of us being able to stay on the field long term and have, uh, be able to live off of a monthly support and uh, to do ministry without having to fundraise on the side at the, at the same time. And so we would love to talk more about that with you about what you can do to partner with us. But we really do believe in, in the importance of prayer and that, that as you pray, the ground is being prepared even before we set foot on the field. And I know that the country, the people, the Assemblies of God in French Polynesia has been praying for missionaries. And man, let's join in their prayers and see what God will do. Amen? Amen. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, as my wife goes to sit down, I'm, I'm just going to... Uh, preaching a message this morning on this snowy day, <laughs> um, and it's entitled An Ambassador in Chains. Um, oh, <laughs> we'll switch it up. <laughs> Thank you. I feel more like a pastor now. <laughs> um, I'm just excited uh, to 
pray and preach this word to us, but I, I want to invite us today to open our own hearts, and I, I truly believe that every time we hear the word of God spoken, that we should uh, always ask the Lord, how can I apply what I'm hearing? It's, it's not unlike if I went to my kids on, on a one morning, if I went to my kids and said, hey guys, I'm going to make brownies today, and they looked at me like, yay, I love brownies, right? And I decided, okay, I pull out the brownie box from the cupboard, and I read the directions. One egg, oil, okay, good. And I put that box back in the cupboard. And then uh, the next day, I come to my kids, and I say, hey, guys, I'm making brownies today. Pull that box out of the cupboard, maybe underline a few things. One egg, okay, yeah. Put it back in the cupboard. If after a week, I was telling my kids, hey, I'm going to make brownies, and if every day all I did was read the directions, my kids would be like, Dad, you got to do something with what the directions say, right? But how often do I come to this Bible every day and I look in it and I underline a few things? Oh, that might, that might be nice to put on the wall, right? But how often do I actually do what it says? The book of James tells us that do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And so this morning, I want to encourage us to, when we hear the word of God, say, Holy Spirit, how can I do what you're telling me to do and apply it to our lives, right? The Bible says that pastors are here to equip the saints for works of service. We're here to give you the tools, not that we have any excuse to not share our faith or live out the word of God, but we're also here to equip the saints for works of service, right? So this morning, I'm going to pray, Lord, I just thank you so much uh, for this church in Aberdeen. Lord, I thank you so much for what they're doing. And God, as Pastor Ben said earlier, God, that they're seeing you move in this community and that they're going to continue to see a move of God here. God, I believe for that. I believe that in, that you're going to move in a powerful way. God, today I pray that you'd please speak to our hearts, God. Lord, I know that... Um, what we need to hear today is not something that I can make up. It's something that only you can do. And so, God, would you please speak to our hearts? God, even right now, would you pour out your spirit? Give us ears to hear, God, and a heart and a mind, God, that to receive and to do what, we've, what you've called us to do. God, I bless this church in Jesus' name with courage and with strength. And that, Lord, we would all be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit today in Jesus' name. Lord, God, I pray that you'd give me wisdom and strength. God, uh, and that you would um, speak what only you can speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The title of this message is called An Ambassador in Chains. An Ambassador in Chains. And it's really written about um, five distinctive marks that I see in Paul's life. The Apostle Paul, who gave us most of the New Testament, who wrote most of the New Testament. Um, and it comes out of Ephesians 6, uh, verse 19 through 20. It says this. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. I want to look at five marks of Paul's life that we see and, and ask the Lord, how can I apply this to my life as well? Paul wrote several, I mean, many letters to churches. Um, he's credited with wrote, writing most of the New Testament. And several of his letters were written from house arrest. And we call those his prison epistles. 
They include the books of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Uh, again, he was in Rome. He was under house arrest, but he was able to write a letter. And, and sometimes I forget that there's also another book that Paul wrote that was written from prison, and that's the book of Second Timothy. In my fire Bible here, it has, uh, at the very beginning, it gives me some context of why the letter was written and the context of how, when it was written. And it says this. It says that this is Paul's last letter. At the time of writing, the emperor Nero was attempting to stop the spread of the Christian faith in Rome by severely persecuting Christ's followers. Paul had been imprisoned once before in Rome under house arrest, and following his release, he made a fourth missionary journey, during which he wrote 1 Timothy and Titus. But now he was again the emperor's prisoner in Rome. The time, this time, the conditions were much different, as it is likely he was in a cold dungeon and chained like a criminal. Most of his friends had deserted him, and even those who came looking for him had difficulty finding him. By this time, Paul knew that his work was done and that his death was near. What I see in Paul's life is that Paul had this relentless passion to preach the gospel and to be an ambassador for Christ no matter what. And let's look at this. The first commitment that I see in Paul's life is that Paul had a commitment to go and preach the gospel. He had this driving passion to go everywhere that he could to preach the gospel. Listen to what he says in Romans 15, 18 through 20. He says, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done. By the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach Christ to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Paul took four missionary journeys in his lifetime. And according to earlychurchhistory.org, in his ministry, Paul covered by land and sea about 10,000 miles. 10,000 miles. Man, that was before they had a nice car, right? Paul was traveling either on foot or by sea, possibly on a donkey, who knows, um, but he had this relentless commitment to go and preach the gospel. The second commitment that I see in Paul's life was that he had a commitment to make disciples. Three of Paul's letters were written to two different men that Paul was discipling. The first is Timothy, whom he calls his true son in the faith. And the second is, uh, is the letter written to Titus, whom he calls my true son in our common faith. These are not the only two men that Paul shares such a bond with. You can see in different letters that Paul writes, he's obviously been a spiritual mentor or a co-laborer with people throughout his life. Paul had a commitment to make disciples. You know, when I was, uh, when I was first saved, I was about 13 years old. I gave my heart to Christ. And at that time, we had new youth pastors at the church. And they took me under their wing and they discipled me. And let me kind of help us with this idea of discipleship. Discipleship is simply living for Christ in the day-to-day and modeling it for someone. It's just simply modeling what it looks like to live for Christ in the day-to-day. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. He says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. You know, my youth pastors, uh, Josh and Audra Richardson, they... they I was probably at their house more than anyone should be at someone else's house. (laughs) 
right? I mean, I was hanging out. I'd sleep, spend the night on their couch. I would hang out with them. Sometimes we'd play video games. Sometimes we'd go to the neighboring town, and they'd be like, oh, you forgot to bring money <laughs> for dinner. Okay, I guess we'll pay for it, right? You know, and, uh, but the, what they did is sometimes we'd read the Bible together, or sometimes he'd ask, he'd ask me, how are you doing with your, your thought life, or, or are you reading your Bible? And what they taught me was what it looked like to live for Christ Monday through Saturday. We know, how to, we know how to live for Christ on a Sunday morning in a pew, right? We know the right things to say, the right times to stand. We know those things. But what we desperately need is a generation of men and women who will stand up and say, I'm going to make disciples for Christ by bringing someone else to my house and modeling what it looks like to live for Christ. My youth pastors taught me to prioritize reading my Bible and prayer. They would, they would challenge us to memorize scripture. And you know what? When they moved away about three, la- three years later, my whole world didn't shake and fall apart and crumble to the ground because they taught me how to build a foundation on Christ, a life that was lived and built on, on Christ Jesus, an unshakable foundation. And let, So what does it look like? These two first points, Paul had a commitment to go, preach the gospel, and he had a commitment to make disciples. What do we see right there? We see the Great Commission. Paul was excellent at living out the Great Commission. He wasn't perfect, right? He was a man just like we are, but he, he lived his life for the sake of fulfilling the Great Commission. I want to do two things real quick. I want to demystify for us what it looks like to share your faith and to make disciples in just a simple way. Sharing your faith is sharing the story of what Jesus Christ has done in your life. It's saying, I was once this way, I met Jesus, I gave my life to him, he forgave me of my sins, I made him the Lord of my life, and today, I live differently. He put a passion and a desire in me to preach the word of God. He put a passion in me to read the Bible. He put a passion in me to be a better husband or spouse, whatever your testimony may be. I just spoke to someone last night that said for 20 years they were addicted to drugs, but then Jesus set them free. Simple story of what the simple gospel can do in our lives. When, when it comes to sharing my faith, I try to make it real easy. I try to come up with a statement in my mind that I can say without hesitation. And if I feel like the Lord prompts me to say something to someone, it's my go-to statement. I say, hey, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you and he has a plan for your life. Simple, right? But you know what that does for me? Is it gets me that once, it gives me that ability to not talk myself out of it. I've already made up my mind, this is what I'm going to share, unless the Holy Spirit says something different, that's how I'm going to start, because I don't want to do this. Someone passed by me on the street, oh, should I say something, uh, should, I, should I have said something, uh, what would I say, how could I do this, uh, I don't, I'm not that experienced, I, uh, I missed it, I missed the opportunity. But if we can say, as soon as that, the Lord goes, boom, drop something in your heart, hey, I'm sorry to bother you. I, I just felt like I needed to remind you that Jesus loves you and that he cares about you. And you know what? Is that all the gospel in a nutshell? Kind of, right? But it can open the door, you know? It can be the first opening statement. And sometimes I've had people say, I had one man say to me, you know, I hope so. And he kind of came back. He was walking away and he kind of came back. And I said, you know what? He does. And we talked and I was able to share with him about the gospel and share with him about what Jesus did. But let's not overcomplicate what it means to share the gospel. 
Let's not overcomplicate it. The Bible, you know, I should say, I had a pastor one time that he would always say, we've already been well-educated beyond the level of our obedience. Let's just be obedient to the Great Commission. Let's just share the gospel wherever we go. He may call you across the world to French Polynesia, or he may call you across the street to your neighbor. I, I, you know, sometimes when I would mow my lawn when we had a house, I'd mow my lawn, and I'm like, man, there's so much time. <laughs> and, and this thought has come to me since then. So often we live more concerned over the condition of our lawn than the condition of the heart of our neighbor across from it. Lord, forgive us. When I get to heaven, the Lord is not going to say to me, man, you had a nice lawn. You did good. Like, man, I created it, but you perfected it, <laughs> right? No. The Lord's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And what is he going to judge us on? The Bible says that he's going to judge us based on the things that we did, right? So we're, we are saved by grace, right? We're saved by grace. You know, but when, we, when it comes to rewards, when God comes to reward his church, they'll be rewarded based on what they've done. And I want to encourage us, the best things that we can do is to just do what Jesus said. Go and tell. Go and preach that gospel of the kingdom. The third mark that I see in Paul's life is that Paul had a commitment to preach the gospel in the face of opposition. When the going got tough, Paul didn't get going, right? He stood strong. He stayed the course, and he preached the gospel. He considered himself an ambassador, whether he was out in Asia Minor preaching around or when he was chained like a criminal. He gladly took that title that I'm an ambassador in chains. And thanks to, I'm thankful that Paul didn't give up when he met opposition because we'd have a whole lot less of the Bible, of the New Testament, had he given up when he was in prison. 2 Corinthians 11 highlights Paul's commitment to preach the gospel no matter what opposition, opposition he faced. In verses 26 through 29 of um, 2 Corinthians 11, it says this, I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? Paul petitions the church in Ephesus to pray for him so that whenever he opens his mouth, he would fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which he was an ambassador in chains. Paul recognized that until God takes him home, he still had work to do. And I want to say that to each of us in this room, that God has work for us to do. As long as we draw breath, we may feel like, man, I'm not in the season for that. Nope, that passed me a long time ago. Or I'm not in the season for that. I'm not educated enough. No. God can use each of us right where we are in favorable times and unfavorable times. Man, but you don't know my past. Yeah, I've done a lot. I've done a lot. You know, who gave us most of the New Testament had done a lot. Persecuting Christians dragging them off to prison, consenting to Christians' death. That was the Apostle Paul before he met Christ. 
None of us can look in the mirror and say, oh, God can't use me. You want to bet? Because it's not about us. The Bible tells us that we're jars of clay. That's it. So none of you can look at the other person and say, I'm a jar of clay. You're a jar of clay. I'm better than you. Right? No. The Bible says that God puts his glory in jars of clay. And the sooner we realize that, the better God can use us. I want to tell you, Paul was not a superhuman man. He was just a man full of the Holy Spirit. And if we want to be used by God, let's grab hold of the Holy Spirit like never before. Let's open our hearts and say, God, past, present, whatever I've done, I know that you can use me because it's not about me. It's about you. And so would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? What did Jesus promise before he was ascended into heaven in Acts 1.8? He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit is our greatest advocate. He's our greatest gift here on this, planet, on this earth is the Holy Spirit. I believe that there's no greater force in all the world than a church full of the Holy Spirit, ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's time that we get back to a desperate passion for the Holy Spirit working in our churches. We need the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, just like we read in the book of Acts, just like we read in 2 Corinthians, or in 1 Corinthians, where the Holy Spirit's active and moving in the church. Were there problems in the early church? Yeah. <laughs> Were there discords? and Yes, right? I'm, I'm so thankful for the word of God because it doesn't sugarcoat. When things are going bad, Paul's like, look, guys, come on. <laughs> what are you doing? They weren't perfect, right? But the Holy Spirit was using people right and left, and he can do the very same thing here in our lives. I want to remind us that the, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that it wasn't just Paul who was an ambassador for Christ, but that we as believers are ambassadors for Christ. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20, it says, therefore, if, any, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, all things have become new. The new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. It wasn't just Paul who was an ambassador. It's everyone who's put their faith and trust in Jesus. God says this, I, I did my work. I died on the cross. I opened the way for all of mankind to come to the saving knowledge of, of God, right, through Christ. That's what Jesus did. He sacrificed everything. And you know what Jesus did? He took that baton in his hand and he said, go. Preach the gospel. He didn't commit it to anyone else but us. As believers in Christ, he said, you are my ambassador. It's like the microphone in my hand. He says, you simply amplify my voice. Be a willing vessel wherever you go, whether it's at your school, whether you're a teacher, a student, whether you're what, at your job, God wants to use you to be an ambassador wherever you go. 
I believe that there's going to be no greater joy in, in our lives than that realization that, God, I'm doing what you told me to do. Listen to what Paul says in Philemon 1.6. In, in the old NIV version, it says this, I pray that you would be active in sharing your faith so that you have a full understanding of every good thing you have in Christ. Man, I pray that you'd be active in sharing your faith so that you would have a full understanding of every good thing you have in Christ. Sometimes we, we come to church and, I, and we feel like, man, I'm worn out. I, I'm kind of tired of the same old Bible stories. I'm kind of, ugh, just, I need something fresh, God, you know. And sometimes I think God's saying, the only way you're going to receive something fresh is if you pull the cork on your life and allow what I've poured in to come out. If you allow the outflow, I'll bring the inflow. I pray that you'd be active in sharing your faith so that you can have a full understanding of every good thing you have in Christ. When we pour out, the Holy Spirit pours in. And you walk away from times where you shared your faith and you're, you feel like, holy cow, this is what I was made to do. And you may, you, may, you're, you're, you may be an accountant, you may, you may work a secular job, and that's, that's awesome. God has probably gifted you in those ways. But don't forget that he's gifted you to also preach the gospel in that context. Amen? We need that. The fourth, uh, the fourth thing I see in Paul's life is that Paul had a, had a commitment to defend and protect the church. Paul was had a passion to protect the church. He didn't just make believers and then say, I'll see you guys. Hope you do well, okay, <laughs> right? Instead, he would write to the churches. That's why we have these letters. He's constantly writing to the churches. In, in, the, in the book of Galatians and in 1 Corinthians, man, we see Paul's passion to make sure that the church stays true to the gospel. And one of the things I love so much about the word of God is that I love the simplicity of it. Come to Christ, stay with Christ. Love Jesus, stay true to your faith. Paul's not saying, okay, guys, now that you have Jesus, <clears throat> let me add a few things. Let me add this belief or this. Paul's constantly just saying, if anyone comes to preach another gospel, let him be accursed. Just stay true to Jesus. Love him. Make him known. This is the reason that God came into the world that that he died on a cross so that you can walk with God in fellowship with him. The fifth part I see in Paul's life is that Paul had a commitment to finish the race for Christ. Finish the race for Christ. And uh, when I was living in Hawaii for a little while, I, uh, I had a friend there that we decided we we're going to run in the Great Aloha Race. And it's an eight-mile race that starts in downtown Honolulu, and it runs all the way to the Aloha Stadium, which is kind of where they play the Pro Bowl. I don't know if there's any NFL Pro Bowl fans, but th that's where the race ends. And we were, we were there to have some fun, so we, we dressed in Aloha shirts. We had these, like, long socks that were goofy looking. I had these funny sunglasses, and I had my hat turned backwards, you know, just to look. I wasn't trying to look cool. <laughs> but, we, you know, we were having fun. And I'm running, and I get to about the seventh mile, and I'm like, oh, I can do this, right? I'm like, got my head down like this, like, and I hear someone off to the sideline as I'm, he goes, keep your head up. It'll help you get oxygen in your lungs. And that's pretty much all he said. I mean, half tempted to be like, whatever, dude, <laughs> you know, I'm tired. 
But I did. I picked my head up, and you know what? I see the stadium right up there. And I run to the stadium, and I run down the hallway and right onto the field. And I just thought, I mean, it was kind of a cool moment, like running on a field like you're in some sort of awesome movie or something. Um, but you know what? It reminded me of what the Apostle Paul tells us in, in the book of Colossians. Colossians 3, 1 through 4 says this, since, we, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The first thing that Paul says is set your hearts on things above. And the second thing he says is set your minds on things above. If we want to have perseverance in life, it's going to come only as we focus on what is to come, on heaven. I've, I've definitely walked through seasons in my life where I had to ask myself the question, do I believe that God is good? I'm just going to be real honest. I've, I've definitely found myself in a place where I never imagined one of the hardest moments in my life and, and just standing there alone in, in an apartment and thinking, God, do I really believe that God is good? And do I really believe his word? And I decided right then and there that, God, I'm going to believe you're good. And I'm going to stand on your word as if it was true. And you know what? He proved true. Proved faithful. Even when things, where you feel abandoned, even when I was abandoned, you know, God never abandons. Never leaves. He's worth trusting with all my heart. So you know what? When we walk through trials, we walk through tribulations, Jesus said, take heart, for I've overcome the world. I've given you an eternal life to come. That doesn't mean we despair of life and think, oh, life is just miserable. No, it just means that when things are hard, I just remember where my home is at. I remember that my heart is seated with Christ in heavenly places. And that's, what, that's the same truth for each of us in this room who believe in Christ we have a future hope for the people of God. Amen? That's what we cling to. So Paul had this great commitment to finish the race. He kept his head up. He was able to, say to, he was able to write that letter of 2 Timothy from a prison cell, telling Timothy, I've finished the race. I fought the fight, finished the race, and now there's in store for me a crown of life. Not only for me, but for all those who've longed for his appearing. So this morning, I want to encourage us today that you're not alone in this. Not only are there brothers and sisters sitting next to you in these seats, but you've been given a wonderful gift that Jesus said I would give to you, and that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, such a counselor. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is a counselor. He's a comforter. He empowers us. But man, he, and he intercedes through us. And I believe for everyone who, who has not yet been filled with the Holy Spirit, has not made that decision to say, Holy Spirit, I want to be filled and baptized in your spirit. It's as simple as receiving a gift. If you've received Christ, I believe that the gift of the Holy Spirit is for you. He, he wants to fill you in a greater way than you've ever known before. 
He wants to baptize you in his spirit so that you feel and know that you are victorious through him. Remember, all it takes is someone who recognizes I'm a jar of clay. And God, if you want to use me, I'm open. So today, let's pray and let's remember these five marks of Paul's life, that Paul had a commitment to go and preach the gospel, that Paul had a commitment to make disciples, that, call, that Paul was willing to preach the gospel in the face of opposition, that Paul was a man who, who was adamant about defending the church. He didn't want backbiting happening in the church. He didn't want division happening. He fought for the church. And then Paul had a commitment to finish the race. I know it's a cheesy saying. We've all heard it all our lives, but it's true. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. Paul didn't start well, but Paul finished well by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's how we're going to finish is keep our eyes on heaven. Remember what the man said to me when I was running down to that stadium? Keep your head up. It'll help you get oxygen in your lungs. I want to say the very same thing to us. Keep your head up. Let the Lord breathe fresh life into you to remind you that the life that we're living is not about this world. It's about a kingdom to come. And we want to see every person possible come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. And we'll, we'll share it in the simple gospel. We'll come alongside someone, a young person that we know is struggling and say, man, let me show you what it lo- looks like to live for Jesus. I may, I may argue with my wife. But you'll see me say, I'm sorry. You may see my imperfections, but you'll also see a person that's striving after Jesus. Don't worry about failing in front of someone. It's better to try and fail than not to try at all, right? Let's, let's just take this seriously and love Jesus with all our hearts. So, Lord, we just thank you so much today. Just love you so much, God. God, I thank you for each person in this room, whether they know it or not, God, that you love them and that you died for them so that they could have life. And if there's anyone in this room who's not made that decision to follow Jesus, today is that day. If you're sitting in the balcony, today is that day. If you're sitting on this floor or or watching online, today is the day of salvation and Jesus wants to change your life. He wants you to know that you're not without a helper. You're not alone. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we would be saved. And so today I want to challenge you, if you've not made that decision, today is that day. You can simply pray a prayer that says, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and to forgive me of all my sins. I give my life to you. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And that because you live, I also will live. And then I want to invite everyone here as well, whether you've been filled and baptized in the Holy Spirit or not, to simply pray, Father, I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Fill me with the Holy Spirit today. I ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit that you promised. And I put extended hands out and say, I receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that you promised. Lord, I pray over this church that you would bless each and every person here, God. This is really a church full of people. It's not a church full of pews. It's a church full of people. 
they got to have a real opportunity to make their life count for eternity. And I pray over each one of them that they be encouraged in their faith. That you put a fire in each of our bones, God, that longs to make the gospel known. That, God, we wouldn't, we wouldn't neglect the reading of the word of God or, or prayer. And that, God, we'd no longer neglect the, the sharing of our faith. And, God, would you help us to see a harvest? I pray for a harvest of souls in Aberdeen and the surrounding area to come to Christ. Lord, help us to see that you've called us as workers in your harvest field. God, I pray this, a blessing of faith and strength and courage by the power of the Holy Spirit over this church in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you that there will be victories. There will be an increase. There will be a harvest. God, I believe that for this church that they will see a harvest. That God, the, the best days are ahead for this church. God, that you've got a purpose and a plan for this church to make a huge impact for the cause of Christ. I bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for allowing us to be here today. Well, thank you so much, Ben and, and Carly. Man, that was, that was so good. Um, you, you talk about that, that, that really that illustration with the, the brownie mix stands out to me. Um, we heard a lot of good things today. Heard a lot of good things. I hope you were taking notes because I, I was. I think I filled up my whole section there. But but one verse that just really stood out to me was that uh, Philemon one six. I pray that you be active in sharing your faith, so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. I like the second half of that verse. Right? We we like the second. I want a full understanding of every good thing. God, I want every good thing. Well, then make the brownies. Right? Go share your faith. And that's the challenge that we've been given today is to go and to share our faith, right? Paul, we've been talking about our, our origin stories. Paul, you think, oh, Paul was so great. We can't be anything like, no, Paul was full of the Holy Spirit. He was a guy just like you and I, but he was willing to go. He, he made these commitments to finish that race, uh, to go even in the face of persecution, to be full of the Holy Spirit. So let's pray that we can be full of the Holy Spirit, that we can go and, and we can join in this great missions work together because we got to reach the whole world everybody's got to know including your neighbor and, and so I'm just believing for that 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 God is going to help us put that into practice so today I want to I want to challenge you today to uh, let's support our missionaries let's let's give today uh, the instructions will be on the screen there but if you'd like to support uh, the lopers uh, in in their, their work going into French Polynesia, uh, you can use the offering envelope, just mark it Loper or mark it French Polynesia. And uh, online you can text. If you want to text today as well, just text missionary and the amount that you'd like to give uh, to the number. All the instructions are up there. So again, uh, thank you for doing that. Thank you for giving here. Thank you for giving online. And we just believe that God is going to use them uh, to do incredible things. So we're going we're gonna to give and uh, we're also going to pray. We, we want to pray. So today, uh, we want to just close our time together uh, in prayer. And so, would everybody just stand with me right now? And Ben, I think Carly might still be up in the kid zone. Or she just got back. Perfect. Carly, come on down. Why don't you guys just find a spot like right in the middle of the aisle. We just want to gather around you. Uh, we want to pray for you. And so, 
would you, if you're, if you're close by, even if you're not close by, why don't you just come down, let's gather around this couple, let's lay our hands on them, and let's just pray for them as we send them out uh, uh, across the globe here. They're going to be our hands extended, and we just believe that God is going to do incredible things, uh, not just through Ben and Carly, but through their kids as well. We believe that God's going to do a great work. So would you just extend a hand, and, and let's pray for them today. Jesus, we thank you so much for, for Ben and Carly. God, we thank you that, that when you called, that they were willing to say yes. God, that they were willing uh, to say, God, wherever you send us, we will go. And so, Lord, as they go, as they go to French Polynesia, Lord, we pray that your blessing would be upon them. As, as they share your, your good news, as they share their faith, God, we pray that every good thing, they would experience every good thing, every blessing that you have on them. Lord, we pray for just uh, that you would you would stir up the ground, that you'd shake it up, God, that hearts would be ready to hear your word. God, as they land on those islands, God, we pray that many islands, we pray that revival would break out in French Polynesia, God, that, that these people would, would know you and love you, that the gospel would spread to places that it's never been spread before. God, we pray that you would be with them, be with their marriage, God, that you would give them strength, God, that you would be with their family, their kids, God, that you would use them not just as kids of missionaries, but God, missionary kids who are going out and sharing the gospel as they, they make friends, as they learn the language. Lord, we pray that, that you would just help them, God, in everything as they're raising a budget, as they're, they're learning the language, Lord, that, that you would just anoint them, anoint your servants, fill them with your Holy Spirit. So we pray your blessing upon them. Would you use them in great and incredible ways? In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, thank you for praying. Uh, ben and Carly, thank you for being here with us. Be sure to stop by their booth before you leave today. Uh, pick up a, a prayer card that you can take home with you and just keep that to remember to pray for them uh, each week and each day. So thank you so much. Have an incredible day and an incredible week, AFA. We'll see you Wednesday night. One, one quick announcement, too. If you were part of the life group tonight for the, the 50 plus, that is moved to next Sunday. So just a little heads up. Anybody who's part of that life group tonight, 50 plus, it's not tonight. It is next Sunday night.